Revelation chapter number 5 in our Bibles tonight. And uh, notice there in verse number 5, the Bible says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book, uh, and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And he sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God king, uh, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing in every creature which was in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever the four beasts said amen and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever Father tonight I pray that you would be exalted here in this service. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. It's a song that was sung in Revelation. And yet, Father, I pray that it be the song that we come as we lay our head on our pillow tonight. Lord, you are worthy. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of our lips. You're worthy of our bodies. You're worthy of our thoughts. You're worthy of it all. And so I pray, Father, tonight that you would cement that into our lives. Lord, may we just put you at a place of priority, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember last week we began going through Revelation chapter number 5, the, the, the throne room of heaven we call it, as John in chapter number 4 saw the beast and he saw the, the heard their messages and he, he saw what they looked like and he came to chapter number 5 and, and we saw in verse number 4 where John, the beloved apostle, uh, was weeping. Because no man was found worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And we talked about last week how uh, Hitler thought he, he, he wanted to reign. And Mussolini and, and uh, Stalin and all these world leaders desired to rule the earth, but they were not worthy. And I'm so thankful this evening that there is one that is worthy, and that's King Jesus. And, and yet as John is looking at the throne room of heaven, as he's watching this scene unfold, John weeps because there is no man, human, mankind, Abraham, David, Noah, Joshua, down the list, they were not worthy to open the book because of their sin nature and because we've all fallen as humans. And John, as he weeps, I love it, says in verse number four, it says, And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither look thereon. In verse number five, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Aren't you thankful tonight? We sorrow not as others which have no hope. And boy, you go to a graveside and there's weeping and there's sadness and, and sorrow may endure but thank God that uh, joy comes in the morning but there's going to come a day when we'll be in the presence of God there will be no more weeping there will be no more sorrow although tears will be wiped away and the elder came to John and said John let me just encourage you a little bit hey John let me just set your heart at ease hey there's no man that's found worthy but let me tell you about the worthy one let me tell you about King Jesus because hey here he comes King Jesus I, I, I'm so thankful tonight that the Savior is 
is the worthy one. Would you notice here in this passage how Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than the four beasts that surround the altar crying worthy, a holy, holy, holy. He's better than the elders. He's better than the saints in heaven. He's better than Peter, Paul, Abraham, and Andrew. Hey, King Jesus is worthy of our worship and our praise. We see here in verse number 5, we see the worthiness of the Lamb. Notice it says in verse 5, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book. <clears throat> and to loose the seven seals thereof. Would you notice first of all here, uh, the worthiness of the Lamb. He's worthy because He prevailed. He's worthy because He prevailed. He hath prevailed to open the book. We see the characteristics described here. He said, Behold, who's he, who are we looking at? Who are we looking to? We're looking to the Lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, we think, I think about a lion, how the lion is the king of the jungle. Boy, the lion is that, that, that very uh, royal beast. It's an animal that you look at, and, and boy, it's beautiful, and boy, it's just full of majesty. And John, or John was able to feast not his eyes not on a, a physical lion, but he was able to look at the Lion of Judah. Hey, he was able to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say, Jesus Christ is the promised one that was promised in the Old Testament. And here the Lion of the tribe of Judah steps up to the plate. He steps in the scene. And uh, John, though everything was taking place, failed to behold. There the Lamb, of, uh, the lamb was in the midst of the throne. We see the characteristics of a of, of a lion. He's majestic and he's sovereign. A lion is a lot like a judge that exercises authority uh, on the uh, on the animal uh, animal kingdom. It says in Genesis forty nine verse nine, as uh, Jacob was saying goodbye to his kids, he says about Judah. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion, as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, until, and, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Understand, uh, years ago, as uh, Jacob was getting ready to go home to glory, as he was saying goodbye to those kids, he looked at his son Jude and he said, let me tell you something, son. The promised Messiah, the one that was prophesied there in Genesis 3, and we see him all throughout the Old Testament, that scarlet line that, that starts there in Genesis 3 and goes all through the Old Testament. Hey, Judah, let me tell you something. The promised Messiah is coming through your lineage and he's coming through your line. Isaiah 11 verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Isaiah 53 verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no former comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire of him. Hey, the, the elders said to John there on that day, hey, let me point you to somebody. Let me point you to the worthy one. It's the lion that was prophesied there in Judah uh, to the Judah on that day in Genesis 49. It's the lion that was prophesied in Isaiah. It's the root that was talked about there in Isaiah. Hey, the lion of the root of David, he hath prevailed. And I'm so thankful tonight that Jesus is worthy because Jesus is the all-conquering King of kings and Lord of lords. He said he hath prevailed to open the book. That word prevail is a is a very a strong word. It's a very descriptive word. This is not just a, a word that is left up to doubt and question. It's not a word that you wonder what 
happen, but no, this is a very demonstrative word. Hey, King Jesus, he hath prevailed. And let me say tonight, dear friend, that Jesus overcame the world. He overcame sin. When Jesus died on an old rugged cross and shed his royal rich blood, he took old Satan and he defeated Satan. He said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Hey, thank God on the cross of Christ, he defeated sin. He defeated the devil. He defeated death. And King Jesus steps up worthy. Why? Because he hath prevailed to open the book. This word prevailed was the emphasis of John. It was a punctilious in nature, simply meaning it was once for all. When Jesus cried, it is finished, he conquered death. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And because Jesus hath prevailed, because Jesus conquered, because Jesus is a great captain of, our, our, of, our, uh, of the force, understand he expects us as believers to follow in his footsteps. Remember we're going through Revelation. And the blessing is, blessed is he that readeth. And they hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written there. And Hey, King Jesus is exalted. Hey, King Jesus overcame. Jesus defeated death. He defeated sin. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. But how does that apply to my life? He said, but pastor, I want to be an overcomer. I want to overcome like Jesus overcame. Uh, overcame. How can I do that? Remember Revelation 2 and 3, seven churches received seven different messages. And Jesus concluded each sermon with that statement, To him that overcometh will I, and then he gave the promise. God expects you as a believer. God expects me as a believer to be an overcomer. The Bible says, Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Dear friend, God expects you to overcome your, your, your vices, whatever it may be, bitterness, anger, lust, short temper, whatever it may be, God expects you to be an overcomer. Why? Because He overcame. I wonder tonight, are you living in victory? Are, are you living that victorious Christian life? Hey, Jesus conquered death. Hey, Jesus never one time lost His temper. Are you following in His footsteps? Jesus never was bitter. Hey, if there was anybody who had a right to be bitter, it would be Jesus. I mean, you think about Jesus, boy born and, and uh, rejected of man and, and uh, all the different things Christ went through. I mean, he, he could have, but no, he forgave. Father, forgive them for he knew, they know not what they do. I wonder, are you following in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ? He was the one that overcame. He said in verse 5, he hath prevailed, what, to open the book and to loose the seven seals. Or I've looked in verse number 6. It says, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. You know, I love where Jesus was at. Remember in chapter 4? Man, there John enters heaven. And boy, he's looking at the throne. and He looks at the beauty of it. Emeralds and amethyst and, and uh, clear glass. And, and he sees the lake before the before the throne and, and uh, he sees the beast and, and, and their message of holy, holy, holy. Man, he sees the book that is open in the right hand. I mean, John is just looking around heaven. And boy, he's amazed at what he's seen. But you know what? In all the busyness and the craziness, you know, John failed to see right away. He, saw, he, he failed to see the Son. He failed to see the Savior. Where was Jesus? He was in the midst of the throne. Another four beast. He was in the midst of the elders. Hey, so many times in our life we get so busy that we get our eyes off of Jesus. I mean, man, John's in heaven. Hey, one day we'll be in heaven, and and boy, we need a. What are we going to do? Are we? You know, I, I I can't wait for the street of gold. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to walking down the street of gold, and uh, I'm looking forward to you know hanging out by the river of life. I'm I'm really looking forward to that tree of life, 
Because, man, there's not going to be worms in those peaches and apples and, you know, bananas and all those things. That are gonna be every, by the way, every month there's a different fruit. And uh, so we all get tired of it. I'm looking forward to that. You know, I'm looking forward to the, the, the seeing, seeing uh, you know, all that's going on. But you know what? In all the busyness of heaven, we've we got to keep our eyes upon the Lord. And we will because we'll be perfect. But you know what I, I think about in life? You know, we get busy with work. We get busy with, with everything. I wonder, are, have you lost focus of the Savior? Have you lost focus of the one who loves you? Have you lost focus of the Jesus who died for you? And that's why the writer of Hebrews gives that great discourse on faith in Hebrews 11. And boy, just goes through and talks about all the men of faith and all the ladies of faith. And, and boy, how God desires for you to walk by faith. And he gives you the key to living a life of faith. It's Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He prevailed. And then it says, For consider him which endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Can I ask you tonight, have you, have you lost focus of him? He said, Well, preacher, I'm, I'm struggling financially. Look to Jesus. I'm struggling with my health. I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. I'm, 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 I'm just struggling with my marriage. I'm struggling with my kids. I'm struggling with whatever fill in the blank may be. Hey, John, John had to again fix his eyes upon the Savior. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. It says in verse 6, And I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne. I wonder, is Jesus in the midst of your life? It's mentioned two times that word miss and in the midst of the throne, in the midst of the elders, and it's implied in the midst of the four beasts. There, there Jesus is, stood a lamb as it had been slain. Notice he's in the center. Is he the one that is he is the one that is worshipped in heaven, but is he the center of your life? It says in, in uh, Genesis 22, remember the illustration? Isaac and Jacob or Isaac and Abraham, they're going to Mount Moriah to sacrifice. And uh, they're on their way and and Isaac makes a statement. He says, Dad, here's the wood. Here's the fire. But Dad, where's the lamb? Dad, where's the lamb? Dad, we're going to go sacrifice. We're missing the most vital ingredient needed for sacrifice. Where's that blood sacrifice? Where's the lamb? And John, maybe in heaven, is looking at all the beauty. And yet maybe his mind is wandering back to Genesis 22. Where's the lamb? Behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It says in, it says in the... And uh, verse 6 again, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. So he was overlooked by John. He was focused on the throne, the beast, the book, and he failed to see the one. We get focused on fear, fame, fortunes, and folly. And we failed to see the Lord. Isaiah 6 verse 1, Isaiah was focused on King Uzziah, a good king. But it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Isaiah had to get his eyes upon the Lord. Uh, it says here, he stood a lamb as it had been slain. This is a picture of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Jesus was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It says in Isaiah 53, verse 7, uh, as, as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. John 1, 29. I love what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus walking his way. He didn't say, Behold Muhammad. He didn't say, Behold Allah. He didn't say, Behold, there goes the Pope. He said, Behold the Lamb of God which taken away the sin of the world. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. Hey, John said, hey, that's the one I've been preaching about. Behold the Lamb of God, 
The lamb is standing here as an authority, standing there. He says in Acts 8.32, he was led as sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. 1 Peter 1.19, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It says here, there stood a lamb as it had been slain. Uh, let me just say, John was not looking at scars. You know, when you, when you have surgery, I've never had, well, I've had my tonsils and adenoids taken out. But that's all the battle wounds I've got, right? And you can't see them. But um, I think about my, well, I guess I got one, I grew a beard to cover up my scar under my chin. When I was growing up, I was an awesome snowboarder, right? Cool, punk, green snowboard. Like, by the way, brother, my snowboard was about your color, that shirt. I mean, man, it was awesome. And uh, I love, I, I remember one time, I, man, I busted my chin wide open. I'm talking about deep cut. And uh, if I was a shave, you would see a nice scar. And uh, I say it's because I got knifed in the battle, you know, but I won and I took out 50 other guys. But, uh, you know, I got a little scar, right? You know, our body is, it, God's designed it to naturally heal itself. And boy, if you have surgery, you cut yourself or whatever, man, you're, you're gonna, usually going to heal up. You know, Jesus is not healed. It's not this he John didn't say I looked at the scars. But what did he say? He said, I, I saw the lamb as it had been slain. He, this, this is an illustration the slain implies the fresh marks of slaughter still upon him. They're not scars, but they're fresh wounds. And uh, the, you, the wording and the terminology, still a lamb as it had been slain, is a beautiful picture of our Savior, that lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Notice, notice in verse 6 it says, Still a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Uh, not only is Jesus Christ... Um, the lamb, but he's also powerful in verse third, or in in this in this verse. We see that we see the seven horns. Uh, they represent omnipotence and power. They represent God's strength. It says in Daniel seven verse thirteen, I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. He is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's almighty. Uh, it says seven horns and seven eyes. What do the eyes represent? The eyes represent omniscience. I, the Lord, search the hearts. All things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. It says in verse number, uh, verse number uh, 7. It says, and he came, talking about the Lamb, and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. We see here the Savior comes, and what does he do? He takes the book. There, is, there was authority behind his taking of the book. Hey, God's in control. He gives the, God's been the one that's ruling, has been judging. But now Jesus Christ, remember he came as the Savior. But now Jesus Christ is going to be judging the world. He came unto his own, his own received him not. He came as a humble servant. But when he comes back and when tribulation period is taking place, he is reigning as supreme and he is getting ready to judge the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. He comes and he takes the book, the title deed to the earth. Remember when King Saul was made king? Remember when Samuel anointed him? And Saul knows it's coming, right? And uh, what does Saul do when they're getting ready to anoint him? The Bible says that, his name was drawn, and uh, Saul hid among the stuff. Saul was scared, man. He didn't want to go and take over and be the king, and uh, he was very hesitant to do that. But Jesus isn't hiding. 
He's not timid. He's not afraid. No, he goes with that authority. He goes with that confidence. He goes with that power. Why? Because the title deed belongs to him. Let me say the title deed to the earth, it was his by creation. The title deed to the earth was his by Calvary. And now Jesus, again, the third way he takes the title deed is by conquering. And Jesus is getting ready to reign as, as, uh, as the son of David. He has the title to the throne of David in Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. As the son of Abraham, he has the title to the land of Palestine. As the son of man, he has the title to the earth and the world in Matthew 1.23. And in Mark 1.1, 1, 1, he's the heir of all things. Is everybody okay? But uh, Jesus Christ is the one who's worthy of it. Once John gets his eyes upon the land, lamb, he can't take them off of him. He is fixated upon Christ. He mentions it four times in the following verses in this chapter. Look at verse number 8. So we see number 1, we see the, the worthiness of the Lamb. Look at verse number 8, we see the worship of the Lamb. It says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. We see here uh, the worship of the Lamb. We see the saints. He says, and when he had taken the book, the, 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 what, what happens, it says, and it says, when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Everyone bows before them. And by the way, you were, I don't know if you remember growing up reading those cartoons. Remember those cartoons when, you know, the guy, you know, died. He went on a white cloud. He started playing the harp. You know what I'm talking about? The cart, you know what I'm talking about? I, I don't believe everybody's going to be playing harps in heaven. I hate to burst your bubble and the comic strips that you love growing up to read. Um, the elders are, are the ones that are playing the harps. I think we're going to join the heavenly chorus. And that means, Brother Dwayne, there's hope for all of us, right? We're all going to sing one day. But uh, Brother Perry's going to be up there tearing it up, right? Leading the but uh, but I, I don't think everybody's going to be playing the harps. But, um, but the elders are playing it. And, uh, and what, are the, what happens? The four beasts and the 24 elders, they fell down before the Lamb, uh, having every one of them harps. And notice there was golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Um, let me just say, uh, there, as I was looking and studying this, uh, there was different, different opinions about what the prayers were. All right, yeah, let me just say, when we pray, um, not only does God hear our prayers, but God answers those prayers. By the way, God doesn't necessarily answer your prayer right away. Sometimes he's, his answer is no. Sometimes his answer is wait a little bit. And uh, so many times we want things right now. It's like 911. God answer my prayer, genie in the bottle, you know, poof, take care of it. And sometimes God just says, hold on just a little bit. Uh, I, by the way, I like it when God answers right away. I like when I say, Lord, I need $3,000, and boom, you know, an hour later there's 40000 coming away. I kind of like that, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'll be honest, I wish I, we hung out on that part. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of times I think about pastoring here, I mentioned before. I mean, for six, seven years, Lord, where are we going to pastor? Well, we know you're leading us. We know that you're changing things up. And, uh, boy, God just would say, wait, just wait. I'm talking about, man, no doors would open. And, boy, God would just say, hold on a little bit. And then there's times when God says no. I think about right now, um, uh, it was, I think it was, well, let's see. Hopper, how old are you? Four, you five? How old are you? Five. So four, five years ago, um, right around this time, um, my wife was having a tubal pregnancy. And, uh, and, and I think about those memories of preaching out. And, uh, and boy, the, the emotions that come up. I remember for those two weeks going back and forth to the doctor. We're like, Lord, we just want you to heal the baby. God, we want you to do a miracle. If you can breathe in the man the breath of life, and man became a living soul, then you can take the baby from the tube and, boy, take care of the baby and, and let us raise this baby for you. 
and, uh, and God just said, no, I I'm going to take the baby home. You know, there's times in our lives where God says, hey, I'm, I'm not going to heal. I'm not going to do this that you want. I'm not going to do A, B, C, and D. And God just says, no, but I'm going to give you grace. And my grace is sufficient for thee. But, but here the prayers of the saints are before the throne. And, uh, and, the, and the argument that was, that was that, well, I guess not really the argument, but the different commentators seem to indicate that uh, some thought it was the prayers of all mankind, and uh, some thought that it was the prayers of just the tribulation saints. And uh, you read over in, uh, I believe it's in chapter number 7 or 8, those martyred tribulation saints, um, they, they cry out, Lord, how long till you avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And they're pleading with God, God, would you bring judgment upon this sin-cursed earth? You say, Pastor, what do you think? I don't know. But I know there's prayers here, all right? And I know that the prayers are sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of Almighty God. You know, as I was reading that, as I was looking at that, I asked myself the question, am I a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of my Savior? Or am, I, am I praying to Him? Am I going to Him? Am I, am I casting my burden upon the Lord, for He shall sustain thee? Am I, in everything, give thanks? Am I praying without ceasing? You know, uh, church, this is practical. Hey, I'm thankful one day that I'm going to join the heavenly crowd. And boy, I'm going to be singing, Worthy is the land that was slain. And I'm going to participate in, in, in chapter 5. I'm looking forward to that day. But, but I ask myself practically today, am I praying? Are you praying? Are you seeking the face of Almighty God? Their prayers were a sweet savor before Almighty God. I think about the, the incense that was offered upon the sacrifice, upon those altars. And if you've ever smelled incense, boy, um, boy, it's just that sweet smell that overtakes you and, and boy, overwhelms those sacrifices that were being performed. I Man, it was, went right to the nostrils of God. I wonder, are you seeking His face? And so we see the prayers were a sweet savor to the Savior. But notice it says in verse number 8, it says, uh, uh, verse number 9, it says, And they sung a new song. You say, Pastor, what, what, what's that mean, a new song? Well, it was an old song. Did you know that? You say, what was the old song? Well, in Job, the Bible talks about how the sons of men uh, sang at the creation of the world. Did you, by the way, you realize we're very musically, we're musical people. And, uh, and God has built within us um, to be very musical. And uh, singing is a natural outpouring from the heart. And uh, the angels sang creation into existence. God spoke it, and they just joined in the heavenly chorus. And uh, that's what Job clearly teaches. And uh, there was the old song of creation, right? But what's the new song? The new songs of Calvary. And they're singing a new song. What's the song they're singing? Saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, and tongue, and people, and nation, hath made us into our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. You know, I think about how we were singing the songs before. And uh, there's different stanzas, right? In chapter number 4 and chapter number 5, there are five different stanzas that are sung. Uh, let's look back. Chapter number 4 and verse number 8. It says, And the four beasts had each of them full of eyes. With them. It says, Saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. That was the first verse. By the way, we kind of sing that Sunday morning sometimes, right? Holy, Holy, Holy. Lord God Almighty, right? I mean, that's, that's the first stanza, right? And, uh, and then what's the second stanza? Verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. 
Thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Uh, you know, we, that's the second stanza. The third stanza is here in verse number 9. Uh, in, in verse 10, the fourth is five twelve is cha uh, verse 12, and the fifth is in verse number 13. But, uh, man, I love, the, I love stanza number three. By the way, we get ripped off so many times when we only sing the first and the last, right? And it, most of the good doctrines in verse 2 and 3. And I don't know if you ever realized it. And then there's some false doctrine, like when it comes to Christmas songs in verse 2 and 3. But we're not going to talk about Christmas songs. I love Christmas songs. But, um... But, you know, I, th I, th I, love, the, I love this verse, right? Um, wh what is it? Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. And notice it says, and hast redeemed us. Uh, by the way, uh, one of the reasons we, we use the King James Bible and, uh, and we go back, as we mentioned last week, to the right text is because of, of that word us. And many of the newer versions, they, the, the, uh, the critical text from what we get our modern versions from they take that word us out and they they put the word them in and uh and, and they they change the text a little bit and let me just say something it's not it's not the angels that, that's being talked about in this passage let me just say the angels were not redeemed by the blood of the lamb the angels the angels were created but they rejected christ they had an opportunity to be saved and when they rebelled and they went with Satan, they were doomed to an eternity of damnation. They were not redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And so this is no way is it is applying to angels. And, uh, and, and man, there are, there are guys that are out there that are talking about this. And, and uh, there's, a, there's a debate on it. Let me just say, it, it's us that, was re that we were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And uh, the third verse of this, of this stanza, it's all about the blood. And uh, let me, by the way, let me just say, it is the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. You weren't saved by your good works or baptism or, or creed. You were saved by the blood of the Lamb. By the way, let me just take a little time out and, and a little rabbit trail and say, a lot of the new modern contemporary songwriters, are, they're not singing about the blood. You ever realize that? They're, they're not singing, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. They're not singing the old rugged cross. They're, they're, not, they're not singing, alas, and did my Savior bleed. They're not singing, saved by the blood of the crucified one. They're not singing, there is a fountain filled with blood. They're not singing, Christ our Redeemer died on the cross. Man, what are they doing? They're, they're softening their message. Listen, we don't need to take the blood out. By the way, the hymn books, that they're taking the songs. There, there are some guys that are they don't sing the songs about the cross. Because it's a bloody religion. There's some preachers that don't preach about the blood. Listen, Without the blood, there's no salvation. If Jesus, listen, Jesus died, if Jesus had been hung, listen, your salvation wouldn't have been paid in full. It took the shedding, without the shedding of blood is no remission for sin. It took the blood of Christ. It took the blood. It says in, uh, it says in Leviticus 17, 11, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood is no remission. 1 Peter 1.19, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. 1 John 1.7, and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. Revelation 1.5, unto him that loved us and washes from our sins in his own blood. Revelation 12.11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. 
by the word of their testimony, they love not their lives unto the death. Jesus shed his royal rich blood. And boy, it says here, they were redeemed us to God. And the song is, for thou was slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Notice it's out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. By the way, aren't you thankful that it's just not going to be one race in heaven? It's not going to be all white people in heaven. By the way, you fine with that? There's going to be black people in heaven. Is that, is that fine with everybody? All right, Jesus. By the way, Jesus died for black people. Jesus loves black people. And if you're racist, then you're not right with God. But, uh, but hey, there's going to be black people in heaven. There's going to be Koreans. There's going to be Chinese. There's going to be Russians. I know it's hard, Russians, but there's going to be there's going to be folks from Saudi Arabia. I mean, man, all over the earth, man. I mean, they're all going to be. By the way, the songs should be the same, right? It's it's, it's Jesus Christ, and and uh, it, all over the earth, right? Every nation and tongue and people and nation. And uh, in verse 10, and has made us into our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. I'm so thankful tonight that that one day soon we'll sing that. Look in verse 11. It says, And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. 100 million, right? And thousands of thousands. What was John saying? He said, man, I started doing my counting, one, two, three, four. I kind of got lost after 55. You know, I took my shoes off, and man, I don't have any more toes to use, right? He said, but man, I'm looking, and, and what's he saying? Man, just a numeral number, number of people singing. Lifting up their voices. What are they singing? And look in verse number 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the land that was slain, to receive power, riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Let me just say tonight, he's worthy. He's worthy. You're not worthy. I'm not worthy. One day soon, I'm going to bow in his presence. I'm going to confess, hey, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. And so can I ask you tonight, Christian, is he number one in your life? Is he number one in your life tonight? I wonder, is he at a place of priority tonight? He's worthy. We see three practical applications that we can get from these passages. Number one, I mentioned it before. Are you, is Jesus number one in your life? Is he, the, 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 is he supreme? Is he worthy in your life? Number two, are you prevailing like Christ prevailed? Are you overcoming your sin? Are you making the choice to die to yourself? I die daily. Are you making the choice to say no to your flesh and to say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ? And then thirdly and lastly, I mentioned, are you an individual that's seeking the Lord through prayer? Are you praying? Are you spending time with him on a daily basis? Hourly basis. I need thee every hour, most precious Lord, right? Are, are you spending time with the Lord in prayer? I, I love Revelation. Now, I can't, I'm, I'm glad that we get a glimpse of the future. But when the rubber meets the road tomorrow morning, tonight we're going to go home. Before we hit our, before we start, you know, snoring away, are you going to pray? Maybe you're going to go home tonight and, boy, you're going to have the, the urge to flip out, say something you ought not say. Are you going to overcome that temptation and say, I'm not a slave to that because I belong to Jesus? And then I wonder, are you going to make Christ a priority? Is he more important than the ball game? Is he more important than your whatever it may be? Hey, church, let's, let's lift Jesus up and make him worthy because he truly is worthy of all. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for overcoming the world, the devil, and the flesh. Lord, you're worthy of all that we have. You're worthy of our praise. And Lord, so many times we just lose sight of you. 
Lord, I think about our church as I pray through our church and I think through our church. Lord, so many times we just get so busy. We get our eyes off of Christ. Lord, I pray that we get focused upon you. Lord, I pray that you would just be precious to us. Lord, because you're worthy, because you're precious, we're to pray. Because you're worthy and because you're precious, Lord, we're going to not sin because we just love you. Lord, the love of Christ constraineth us. So I pray that we would take this message home with us. Lord, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing here tonight. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for all that you've done. And now I pray that we would be lights for you this week. Help us be a good testimony for Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, take the message home with you, all right? And, uh, man, you got, the, you got the doggy bag going home with you tonight, all right? So take it and feast on it this week. And if you have any questions, ask me later about it. And, uh, hey, throw them out there. We'll try to uh, answer them. But uh, I appreciate you being here tonight. Again, be praying for Sandra here tomorrow as uh, she uh, has major surgery there with her heart. And uh, just be praying for her and just check your face. I know, I, by the way, everybody checks Facebook, so you'll know when it's, when it's happening. But uh, well, let's be praying one for another. All right, let's all stand together. Brother Crampert, so good to have you. I love Brother Crampert from Pennsylvania. And uh, Brother Crampert was with us back in January. Would you lift up your voice and close us in prayer tonight?